everybody, welcome back to the Grayscale Gorilla podcast. My name is Nick from Grayscale Gorilla, and today's podcast is all about sharing our time-saving tips inside of Cinema 4D and also some other productivity tools that really speed up our workflow and save us time. We all go through some of our favorite ways of working faster, working smarter inside of Cinema 4D and also when communicating with teams. So stick around for that one. I wanted to take a few seconds as well and just thank everybody for watching the podcast. This has been kind of an experiment for us to get back to the podcast and uh, you guys make it worth it with all the comments and all the feedback that we get through YouTube comments, all the downloads that we see through iTunes and all the reviews that we've been getting. Just wanted to take a second and thank you guys for that. It means a lot. This has been really fun for us. And in fact, a little bit later in the podcast, uh, we're actually going to ask you guys to give us some feedback on uh, topic suggestions. So I'll just ask you up front. If you guys have anything you want us to discuss, um, drop it in the YouTube comments. You can hit, hit us up on Twitter as well. We would love to hear from you. This is what it's all about. We're trying to help you guys um, you know, progress your career, whether you're just starting, whether you're looking to get your first job, looking to get a promotion at your first job, looking to become an art director, a creative director. We've all been in the industry and we want to help you guys do the same. That's what we're all about here at Grayscale Gorilla. So I just wanted to take a second, thank you guys, encourage you to leave a comment and let us know what you're thinking um, uh, we should talk about and we want to help you as well. So with that, let's head right into the podcast where we have Chad Ashley and Chris Schmidt. We're going to be talking about our favorite productivity tips. Let's go in. Hey, everybody, we're here in the podcast. As always, we have Chris Schmidt. Hello, hello. And Chad Ashley. Hey, everybody. You guys are both the special guests today. Mm. Equal. Equals. Next week, you, you should be special guest, Nick. I'm the – no. <laughs> next next week, you'd be special guest. Okay. I'll, you know, there's going to be a time. You know, my January gets busy. You guys have anything planned uh, for, for the next couple weeks here? You got holidays coming up? It's going to be busy. Yeah, oh just gosh. worried about holidays. But then I guess there's there's going to be the motion graphics uh, s- ski trip, which I think I'm going to go on this year. That's in February. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know about that. What is that? It's, it's Snowgraph. Snowgraph. <laughs> Wait, these are good names. Didn't you just these do – These are great names. Didn't you just yeah. do like um, like a go-kart thing? We just did uh, – on Saturday, we did a big uh, motion graphics go-karting event called uh, Mo Grand Prix. <laughs> Which yeah. was which was super great. And that fun. was fun. Why are not all of you uh, moving to Chicago? Like this is obviously where all the fun stuff is happening. Uh, all <laughs> well, we have listeners. to come up with stuff like that because it's snowing outside and there's nothing else to do in the winter except for to go to warehouses that have really fast go karts and run around and, and crash into walls and each other. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I guess I guess if uh, if someone's out in California right now listening to this, they're like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably not a good trade-off. I'll stay here. Well, uh, what's been going on in the wonderful world of 3D, motion graphics, motion design? Um, any news uh, in the last couple of weeks? I think things tend to quiet down over the holidays, but uh, we've got some news going on. It's been pretty slow. Not a whole lot moving and shaking. Um, I can't think of any really big announcements that happened. Um can you guys think of anything? I'm I'm drawn. I, I I've also you know we've been preparing for our big um, big sale, which will probably be gone by the time you listen to this. But hopefully you've taken advantage. Yeah, we've been all, we've also been busy too. So I'm not sure. Uh, maybe maybe we're just out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> that's it. Maybe the whole world is like 
changing and we're just like got our we're all living in chris's cornell box i'm just inside a cube hanging out in the cube <laughs> that was my that was definitely my favorite comment from last week i love that dude i just love it which by the way uh i'll get this over with early in the podcast if you guys have a comment a suggestion something we want to talk about uh hit us up on youtube where we post these as videos and also um on iTunes where we have all the audio. So if you want to walk around, wash the dishes, walk the dog, mow, mow the lawn if you're in California. Um, well, there's no water out there. Uh, you know, shovel the dirt. Who has lawns these days? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, head on over to iTunes and you can find the Grayscale Gorilla podcast there where all the show notes and all the all that stuff as well. So um, if, you, if you hear something that we talk about and you want to link to it, we always try to keep our show notes up to date. So uh, head on over there. Um, well, since there's no uh, crazy news this week, and um, oh, you want to mention the uh, that video, the freelancer rates? Yeah. So a little follow up from last week. Last week we talked about um, how to get paid as a motion designer. Kind of started talking about contracts and you know how to keep yourself uh, you know safe when it comes to making sure that you get paid. But it kind of the the conversation kind of turned into you know how do you start to get paid how do you start to charge and figure out your rates and there was a really great video um, that I that I watched over the week and we'll put this up in the show notes it's by David Reese uh, I hope I said his name right and he was at the XOXO festival which I think is in Portland I'm gonna get all my uh, get all my data wrong here but. They just released this uh, video, and it was really interesting because what he did was he broke down his freelance rates over the last maybe 10 years, 15 years, something like that, and it actually shows you year by year how much he got paid and also how he got paid. Now, he's a designer, and I think he's a cartoonist, and um, so he has a slightly different angle on this stuff, but I always, I always like when people actually give their numbers out like that. It's so interesting to see a designer and artist numbers um, – as a graph on screen. And he talks about, you know, uh, how he got some of those jobs and how, um, some of them went away at certain times and he wasn't prepared for that. So it was just a really interesting conversation. If you're, uh, any sort of creative person that, that wants to start to get paid, uh, on your own terms, um, it's just a really good, um, uh, link. So check out that one, David Reese. Um, and you know, if you guys have any videos like that too, I'm looking for more. I want to see, uh, data points from people all over the industry that kind of talk about, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's see here. We have, uh, we have the, I just put that in the, <laughs> in the show notes. Don't want to miss that one. Hey, I have to ask too, is, did anybody see the new Disney movie? I did. I'm going to, but I have not yet. Okay. No, no spoilers. Now, wait, now there was music. <laughs> wait, you just asked him. <laughs> you just asked if we'd seen it. There's got to be some spoilers. No, all, all I want here's what I want. I hear that this is some of the best music in in a long time, and you know I love me some some uh, you, musicals. You, you probably will love this movie then. Yeah, you we already had the musical podcast, so all right. it, it. I I would say that. Listen, I don't like. I I just don't like it when animation breaks into song, and like I've just never liked that. Um, but. I will say the songs are pretty good. Like they're not bad, and I think that uh, some of them were, were were written by the guy that did Hamilton. Oh wow! Um, at least I, I I'm pretty sure that's the case. And so the songs are decent. I'm just not really like it. Just kind of takes me out of the story when they're in the middle of of moving the plot forward, and then all of a sudden it turns into a song. Like it just like 
I'm always like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> um, like, why are you singing? So you're asking the wrong person. I know. So it, it it's, it, but it looked fantastic. I mean, the water effects were amazing. And some of the hair was some of the best I've ever seen. Cause these are characters, you know, like um, the rock plays like this Samoan guy or uh, so he's got like this big hair and the whole time you're watching it, like, Oh my God, like that hair looks crazy good. And like those all had to, that had to be styled and like, Oh, it's nuts. Um, so that was really cool. And then the other really cool part, I think is the, the ocean itself just looks fantastic. And it's almost like a character unto itself, the ocean, the way that it works and interacts with the people and stuff. It's really neat. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out. And then the other film that I think we talked, did we start to talk about Fantastic Beasts last week? I can't remember. No. I have it in the sh- topics here as something to mention, but I'm not sure if we actually did. We, we did not it. mention it. Did okay. either of you go see that yet? Nope. Mm-mm. Not yet. I won't spoil it. I saw that too. I, I see a lot of movies <laughs> when my kids are home from, you know, on break and stuff. So we saw that and um, man, that, that was fantastic. Like it, the, the creature work in that film was some of the best I've seen and it, it just looked phenomenal. So that's another one to go see for sure. Awesome. Especially if you're like into really cool character design and gnarly looking monsters. It's really imaginative and a lot of fun. Well, what I thought we could do today, um, and uh, I, I think we'll have some time to do this, is uh, talk about speeding up people's workflow. It's a lot of what we talk about here at Grayscale Gorilla on our tutorials, obviously with our plugins, but I thought what we could do you know, maybe maybe everyone's out there trying to wrap up their big last holiday uh, video before they get to go hang out for the holidays. And they're like, how do I speed up my workflow? What are some tips that we could maybe help people out and give them a way to to work faster, work smarter, organize maybe better um, and talk about some of those things that maybe aren't as um they're not as fun to make a tutorial out of because they, they don't end up with a really cool render at the end. But sometimes these tips that you learn by working around other designers or however you pick them up are the really the things that you use like every day to really save some time. And uh, and I don't know, maybe we could hop around and, and talk about some of the ways to do that. Chad, I'm sure you have uh, uh, quite a few of these. Yep. Yeah. Do um, drugs count? Drugs will speed up your day. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't want to get an explicit tag here, but some, some Sudafed will really make your day really, really good. It has the actually all that kind of medicine like has the exact opposite of effect on me. Like I'm always like super drowsy when I take cough medicine or cold medicine. Um, but yeah, that, the coffee for me, man, like I, that's my my drug of choice. Yeah, coffee and real Sudafed up. will make me really productive. I tell yeah, you, your heart rate's like a hummingbird. <laughs> I'm sure I'll die ten years earlier than I should, but uh, coffee. All right, is cool. Def- <laughs> Can I add coffee to my list? Because that is sure. good. All right, yeah, that's a, that's valid coffee. All right, I'm going in. <laughs> Maybe Chad, you want to start with something? Uh yeah, I'll start us off. All right, so how many do you want to hear? I'll think of. Well, we I'll, can go around. So you just do, do your do, best one right now. I'll come. I'll do one. Okay, rounds. So that, that's good because that way somebody doesn't get. You know, I won't steal somebody's. Hopefully, don't steal mine, dude. Um, I think for me, it's probably going to be setting up 
the the C40 start scene. So creating a scene that has everything that you like set up the way you want and then saving that as your Cinema 4D start scene so that every time you open cinema, it opens up with the right frame frames per second. It opens up everything, how you like it, 1920 by 1080, whatever your thing is. Create the scene that you always wish you could start with because you're always doing the same things over and over again. Make that your start scene. That's my first tip. Yeah, and actually, uh, I love that one. I wanted to also say, if you go to the show notes, we have a quick tip about that on our site that I'll link up. It shows you exactly how to set up that new, I think it's new.c4d scene. Yep. Um, and what I use it for too is even the ratio. So a lot of the daily renders that we try to do are square. And I actually have one of those. Um, that's my default now is because yeah. so many of the renders I do are square instead of widescreen. Mm-hmm. I just have that as my default. I click it. I'm in. I'm ready to go. So that's a huge one. I'll, uh, I'll kind of make, I guess that also, what I meant by that too, is create scene files maybe that aren't even your new dot whatever thing was but create them for things that you need to do like for me i'm always jumping into other renderers i'm always in arnold octane yada 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 so i'll have scene files that are basically here's my default arnold file my default octane file yada 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 that way i don't have to like go in and like switch the renderer and all that so just do stuff like that with your scene files and you'll be faster good one love it chris you got one uh, yeah. Uh, my, well, my first go-to, and I say this pretty often in the tutorials, and this isn't going to speed up your workflow this second, but it will forever after you do it, is to learn the darn shortcuts. <laughs> you have to learn the shortcuts. There's so many amazing shortcuts in cinema, but like you have to letter U, and then you get a whole menu of other things. You have to hit like UD, and then, so, you know, there's dozens and dozens of them you have to learn, but here's what I had to do, and I forced myself to do it, and it makes me so much faster in the future is when you're like oh like you know what i need to bevel this thing and you're like you're like i don't know the shortcut so i'm just gonna right click and click bevel or i'm gonna go find in the menu because it's quicker right now to do that no 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 go and look see what the shortcut is hit undo do the shortcut and then move forward force yourself right now when you're not in a crazy rush to actually click the shortcut and now you will remember it or after a couple of times, you'll remember it. Is there... Otherwise, you're always like, you're always like, oh, I'll do it next time. No, do it this time, and then do it the next time, and do it next time, and now you know the shortcut. I love it. Is there a way I can print out? I, in other software packages, I've learned I always would try to like print out the shortcuts and like have them on my desk. And at one time, at one point, like I taped them underneath my keyboard so that I would like. Every time I would come into a situation like that, I would like tilt my keyboard up and just look at look for the <laughs> shortcut. Is there a way to print out all of the Cinema 4D shortcuts? I don't know if they exist in any one place. Somebody out there should create a, a Google Doc with all of the shortcuts. If you want to make it look really pretty, that it's would even be better. Yeah, if you if it's out there, let me know because I would love to. Because that's that's a thing that you know I always try t- to do. But then you get into production and you just get lazy and you're like, oh, just right click, you know. Yep. But that's a good point. Yeah, I, I need to be better at that for sure. I think everybody could probably stand to be better at that. What do you got, Nick? Uh, mine's similar to yours, Chris, and I'd like to know what you think um, based on what you said, too. Um, I have been forcing myself to use uh, shift C as much as possible mm-hmm. uh, to find stuff. So if you're not familiar, you can in 16 and in forward, I think, I think it was 16 when they came out with shift C. 
uh, R16, I mean. Yeah. Uh, you can just hit Shift C on your keyboard. A little uh, window pops up, and you could type in anything, and then that tool will actually pop up. It'll, based on what you type, uh, show you all the options. And so, never again am I like trying to find what menu the atom array is in or where bevel is or any of that stuff. I, I rely on it so heavily now. I, I literally don't know any of the menus or any of the shortcuts actually. So what I was going to ask you, Chris is, is that a separate thing from the shortcuts? I think what you were talking about is more like the knife tool shortcuts and the U Mm -hmm. shortcuts. Are those not available through the shift C uh, platform? No, they are, but like even that, you're, you, you know, if you want to bevel, you're hitting shift C. So you've already hit two keys and then typing in bevel and then finding the right bevel because it's probably multiple bevel y type things. Meanwhile, if you do the, the bevel shortcut, it's going to be two keys done. Gotcha. So shift, shift C is great when you don't know what it is. I think it, I, I'm not sure, but when you highlight over it in the shift C, it might even tell you the shortcut. So then you can do shift C. Find bevel, see what the shortcut is, hit escape, and now type in the shortcut. <laughs> but there's also some tools that just don't have a shortcut. Gotcha. So either set up a shortcut in them, or that's when I use Shift C. Like one of my favorite buttons is reset PSR, but there's no mm. shortcut for that. So then I just type in Shift C PSR, enter. I don't even like look. I just Shift C PSR, enter, and it does it. Oh, that's good. That um, is a good one. Back with you, Chad. Uh, um, I'm going to say the content browser because a lot of times you find yourself doing the same thing, building the same material, using the same model, using the same light, whatever it is that you're doing the same over and over again, create a folder in your content browser and drag it over there and keep a folder of junk. Just call it, maybe it's like your junk drawer and um, you just kind of, if you created a light that you really, um, you know, a, a lighting setup, like a three-point lighting setup that you really liked, select them all, drag them into your folder, name it three-point light. Now you never have to create that three-point light ever again. And that goes with models too. Like I've kind of gotten to the habit of trying to maintain a model library. Just, you know, like things will come across like, oh, you know, it's just can of coke or something and i'll be like oh i bet i want to use that somewhere down the line i'll drag that into my library my model library and my content browser and now it's there anytime i want to use it as a for a demo or whatever so get into the habit of just like keeping a junk drawer or maybe even if you're really um you know want to be organized creating a whole like folder structure based on stuff that you know that you're going to use again and again and again um because if you do something, what's the saying? I forget what it is. Somebody said it more eloquently than I'll say it. But if you find yourself doing something um, more than once, um, then there's probably a better way to do it. Uh, and that's kind of like my mentality is like if I find myself like using a similar, you know, two soft boxes on the left and the right and maybe one on the top, if I find myself doing that like three times in one week. I'll be like, ah, screw this. I'm just going to drag it into my content browser. So I'll say content browser and using it, using it that way. I use like a folder structure in my Dropbox to like organize, you know, textures. I'll have, uh, you know, models in there, scene files that I use, but I've actually, I've always found the content browser be a little fiddly. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to try that this week because there, there are a lot of things like we're setting up with a lot of these demos we're doing this week and yeah, I'm just refinding this 
the the grayscale gorilla model guy over and over and over again and I'm, there's no there's no reason he he shouldn't be over in my uh somewhere where i could just grab them and and use them yeah i mean i'm in a go ahead in a, sorry in addition to that uh you can make multiple content browsers mm-hmm. so you could make a content browser that sits behind your viewport or off to some side somewhere you still have your general when you go hunting around in but you could keep your junk drawer content browser in one spot all the time and it never goes away you just click on that tab there it is so yep. and, and you can you can set it up as a tree you can set it up as icons you can really customize the way it looks so that kind of thing can be really useful for anything you're doing repetitively yeah for me models are like the thing like that i have in there and um i've got Every 3D scan that I've ever used on our Instagram stuff, I've got all the car models that I've ever materialed and all that stuff sitting in there. So, yeah, it's really useful if you you know find yourself doing that. I didn't know that you could actually, um, like you said, Chris, I didn't know that you could actually dock it somewhere and like have it be a permanent thing. Like I still go to like I navigate to mine every time, but you're saying I don't need to do that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna have to figure that out after the show. Yeah, Ooh, that's man. definitely one I'm going to try out. Get some cuz uh, that's that's definitely a, a thing I do all the time. Get our popular models in there <laughs> that I've been yeah. using. Yeah. I could share mine with you guys too cuz we all use the same stuff pretty much. That's true. Ooh. Well, I, I I make I make special effort to make sure everything in my kind of collection there is stuff that we can give away because I'll use them in like Ask GSG and I want to make sure I can save them in the file and give them away. Right, so like yeah. Chad, if you ever need that you know, if you ever need a can of soda model, tell me, and then we can have the grayscale gorilla version. Okay, cool. Definitely. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one, something I do all the time. Uh, and I'm sure there's like alternative ways of doing this, but I, I just find it to be the quickest way. If I'm working on any kind of complicated scene and it doesn't even have to be that complicated. I will immediately it's like, okay, I'm working on a, like there's a scene and there's a table and there's some lights set up and I'm putting something on the table. It's like, okay, I have to tweak this thing on the table and scaling and modeling, doing things. I just copy it. You know, so it's like control C control N for new file and then control V. So like a couple quick clicks and I am in a new file with that thing pasted into the new file. So just copy it into a new file and now you can work on that thing in isolation without all the other stuff blocking you without hiding things in the, in the browser or putting things in the layer manager. There's, there's a bunch of other ways you might be able to do that type of workflow. And I know there's like some solo plugins and whatnot, but to me, you can't get faster than just copy the dang thing, put it in a new file. And now you know, it's running as fast as possible. And then you go and you model and you tweak because you know, it probably happens all the time. You create a floor and you're working on a model and you have to fix something, and you rotate, and your camera goes below the floor, and now you're just seeing floor, not your model. If you copy and paste a new file, make your tweaks, make your changes, copy and paste it back in again, cool. And I do that all the time. Like, okay, I, I need to model a sofa and a chair and a blah, blah, blah. Like, I just open a new file, model sofa. If I'm not, like, intentionally working off of set dimensions, I just need to look visually right. I'll just make it. I don't care what the scale is. And then I paste it into the master file. I make the table, and I copy it into the master file and I make a new file, make a lamp, copy it into the master file. And now I get that one key measurement, like the height or something, and then scale them all in the final file. Like I don't have to worry about all the scale all the time. Just new file, work on it, put it in your master. Yeah. I've seen you do that a lot at Ask GSG for sure. I, I've, uh, I've, I've, I stole that one from you for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how my brain works anyway. I, I get, easily i'm like you know if i have a really big scene with a lot of stuff a lot of lights a lot of things i i can get like like 
the opposite of claustrophobic, I guess, where I'm just like, oh my God, there's so much stuff I can't think properly. And I tend to just then use the layer manager to like basically create um, layers for everything so that I can kind of like, you know, make it a little bit easier to, to fiddle around with. But I like that idea better. Is there a way that when you're doing that, how do you keep from like, let's say you did that with a lamp or something and you put it into a new scene. Are you saving that scene? Are you just using that scene as just like a dumping ground? Is it never saved or how does that? If it's a complicated thing, it might get saved. Uh, Yeah, it it just depends on the project. If it's like a quick tweak and I'm going to be spending maybe three or four minutes doing something in a new file, I'm not going to save it. But then, you know, if it's like, oh, this is kind of a nice piece of furniture, maybe it gets saved by itself. It just depends. If I'm going to spend like 15 plus minutes in there, it's kind of dangerous not to save. Right, right. What about that workflow is very similar to like XREFs. Have you ever... Have you ever thought about like, okay, well, this lamp, I'm just going to make this into an XREF and then it'll update in every scene file that the lamp gets used in. Have you ever tried that before? I've used XREFs, but I don't do enough repetitive work like that anymore where I ever really use anything more than once. Right. Yeah, that's definitely, that's another good thing to think about too if you're doing that a lot. It's similar to what you just mentioned, only it's kind of like putting it into a file unto itself. Um, All right, my next, next up. I'm up. Um, this is one I talk about a lot, but I, I feel like it needs to be in this list because it saves me so much time when it comes to lighting and texturing. Um, setting up a preview window, no matter what renderer you're, you're in, has always been helpful for me. Um, it, it, there's a couple different ways you could do this with, with standard render and physical render. Um, obviously, the new renderers like Octane and Arnold, they kind of have these built-in um, r- real-time windows, and any time that you can see your results faster, if you could tweak a light or tweak a texture or, or change your lighting and see results in your final render, the faster that you could see that, the faster you could work. Um, and to me, that is really the key, is getting the, you know, what 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 you don't want to do is change something and then do a two-minute render in the view, in the in the picture viewer, and then look at it and go, that's not right. And then make another change and wait for another two minute. Um, that was my life. <laughs> yeah, that's super duper. And yeah, that, was, those that lines. was everyone's life, right? Because that's how yeah, computers like, work. Literally staring yeah. at buckets, making a tweak, staring at buckets. And that yeah. and that was how you had to do it because the machines weren't fast enough. The chips weren't fast enough. The software couldn't handle any real time stuff like that. And now we live in this was this new world where we can all actually do that. And now the renderers that are coming out obviously have this built in, but what if you have the physical or standard render? Well, what I used to do was I would put the interactive render region right on top of my viewport. And then as I moved around, the, the interactive render region would kind of estimate on you know what things look like. And I could change my lights and make them brighter and change a texture. But recently what I've been doing, ever since I saw Chad's uh, video or, or ever since I saw Chad's demo of Arnold, um, which we recorded, by the way, you, let's put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Chad gave us like this introduction to Arnold intro to, and uh, what he showed me and reminded me was there's actually this other way of working, which is having a second render window kind of over in the corner which allows you to make all your changes in your viewport and then really see the results as fast as possible. And that has 
hugely sped up my workflow now because I get to see my results faster. I could tweak my textures, tweak my HDRs, pick just the right one, you know, grab the angle of rotation on my HDR and move it around until I get just the right little highlight going across. All those things used to take so long because you'd have to re-render, re-render. Um, that's been huge for me. And in fact, it's been so big, we made a tutorial about it. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's up on YouTube. I'll, we'll link that up in the show notes as well. Um, but that one's been hugely, hugely speeding up my workflow. Yeah. Do you have only one, and you have a single monitor, right? You're not doing the dual monitor thing? I don't. I used to do dual um, with, with when I was heavy After Effects, when I was working you know, in the industry, I guess. I was heavy After Effects. I had dual monitor. And then ever since I started doing a lot of tutorials, that's really what kind of pushed me back to one monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was hard to record two monitors in a tutorial. And, and right. more importantly, even if I worked on t- two monitors and then I squished it down to one for the tutorial, I actually fumbled around because I was used to having two monitors. So yeah. my goal ever since kind of Grayscale Gorilla got you know started was to make the best training out there. And I couldn't do that if I was working in one way and then doing tutorials in another way so i that's when i switched to one monitor for everything um but yet do you use two monitors no i used to uh, same story as you really i used to you know in production i had the two monitors and i used to have like the giant was the biggest the big apple display oh the 30 inch yeah it was like the 30 inch i think i had a 30 inch and then i i would have like a, a 21 inch like horizontal Oh yeah, um, I did have that. It was the same height because yeah, it happened. Yeah, it was like the same height, so you could like kind of use that for your track, your track editor and stuff. Um, but I never really liked dual monitors because I I just found them very hard for to focus, and I kind of started you know using these larger monitors, and only I started slowly seeing that my second monitor was I was only using it for like internet. Facebook and chats and all that. I wasn't actually using it to work. So I'm like, and when I started working from home, I was like, do I really need two monitors or can I do it all in one big monitor? So I just got the, um, I really love this monitor, by the way, I'll give it a shout out. It's the, it's the HP dream color, uh, 27 inch. And, um, it's a fantastic monitor and it's super color accurate. So I, I, I'm a single monitor person now. Have you always been single, Chris? Um, uh, yeah, I'm almost always single, except when I get into like maybe a good big coding project or something where I just don't have enough room on one screen. So it's like, okay, fine, I'll plug in my. I always have a second monitor sitting next to me that I'm not using. And I think it's similar for me, where you know tutorials and everything. I'm just used to. I, you, you know me. I like everything default, so I can go and sit behind any machine and it'll, it's going to work. So yeah, that that's definitely a of a fight that I try to. Or that's definitely like a, a a thing that I try to do as much as possible is keep things simple and clean on that so you can show up and use anyone's computer. Um, I'm so not like that. <laughs> well, you go to enough uh, trade shows, Chad. I know. I feel like I feel like cut to me a year from now, and I'm going to be the same as that. <laughs> and I'm just going to be so sick of it. Be like, what? You don't have all my you don't have all my custom uh, plugins installed, and because my my the literally like. I can't work on anybody else's cinema. I just, I would be, I would be lost. Oh, that's great. Well, the first time you're on stage and, and looking like a fool, cause you're like, wait, wait, where's your, 
Wait, you don't have this layout? That's why I have to get there like three hours beforehand and load all my layouts. Uh-huh. Well, uh, let, let's do one more round. And I don't want—I don't mean to break it up into something else, but maybe we uh, give a tip that's not not C4D based, but in general, how do you speed up your workflow? What are what are things that you think about, or tools, maybe software um, that you use to work faster or stay more organized or any of that kind of stuff? Any any kind of tools that people can look into. And, mm. and since I sprung it on you, I'll go first on this one and let you guys okay. think. Yeah. Cause I don't need, I haven't thought of anything yet. Um, what it reminded <clears throat> me of was uh, I use a, this website called tomato timer all the time. Um, and we'll put that up in the show notes, tomato dash timer.com. And it's the ugliest little website, but all it is, is a um, 25 minute timer and then a five minute timer that you can choose between. And what it, what it represents is this technique they call the Pomodoro technique, which uh, I think is uh, something for tomato. Let's go with it. Italian, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the, the technique is all about sprinting for your work and then forcing yourself to have a time limit of kind of messing around after that. So I didn't explain that very well. So I'll say this. What you do is if you have a task you need to do, and oftentimes for me, it's things that you know, like sometimes um, going through emails or calendars or stuff, stuff like that, that I'm not totally pumped about, but I know I need to sit down and do, I'll set up this tomato timer and say, okay, this 25 minutes, I am not going to be distracted. I'm not going to go to Reddit. I'm not going to go to Facebook. I'm not going to, you know, fiddle with my iTunes. This 25 minutes, you're an adult, Nick, do nothing but this job. And then at the end of it, you get a five minute break to go like, screw around on whatever website you want to. And it's a little mental trick that I find helps me kind of calm my brain down and give myself something to focus on when my natural focus goes away. I tend to be really focused on projects I really love, really interested in. I'll work for eight hours on those things nonstop. But when it comes to some of these secondary tasks that are important to do, I find that this little hack kind of helps my brain. So check out the Pomodoro technique and uh, and use this t- free tomato timer online. It makes a little little noise when your when your time is up, and and it does help me for sure. Uh, I don't know whose turn is it. Uh, you were next, and I haven't thought of one yet. So okay, I'll go. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the thing that's changed the way that I work most over the past probably I don't know five years is got to be Slack, and so I, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure almost all of you are familiar with Slack. If you're not, then I highly recommend checking it out. It's basically kind of a um, an internal chat client uh, that you can create different teams and different projects and whatnot. It's awesome if you're working with people across different time zones on the same project. It's awesome for social uh, reasons. There's a lot of like motion design Slack channels that you can join. Um, I started a, an Arnold Slack channel for everybody that's using Arnold and Cinema 4D, and that's grown from like four or five people to I think we have like 50 people on there now. And so, you know, I, I just think Slack is just such a cool tool, and I, I'm not even sure we've really un- we understand the full reach of it because it kind of starts to um, leak out into different ways. And I hate email. Let's just say that I absolutely despise doing emails because I'm, my brain just doesn't work that way. So Slack has helped me like eliminate 
probably 80% of my emails because the people that I need to talk to, I can just quickly get an answer from or talk to. And I know it's changed our business as GSG and, and our ability to communicate and whatnot. And uh, I use it on projects too. So if I'm doing a project with a client or a person, I create a Slack channel or I join a Slack channel and then I can get feedback and, and give feedback instantly. So if you haven't checked it out and you want to use it on a project, even if it's just like three or four people, you know, collaborating on a, on a you know, something, maybe it's a passion project or a real job, check it out. It's super, super easy to use. I think it's free too for, um, it's free. And then if you want like some more, robust features you actually have to pay uh, what are those features i'm only on the free one <clears throat> i believe the 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 paid version you can post files there without like there's a limit to how many files you can post if on the free version because it'll you know start to eat up your storage and whatnot and then the other thing on the paid version is that it'll archive uh full project conversations oh yeah servers. i think you're so, limited to like ten thousand messages or something in regular yeah. there's some other features too um that uh that that are there when we right when i was you know at the end of my time at dk we were looking at all the different like internal chat clients and there's like a bunch of them out there and slack was kind of the most well known and it was actually you know the best too i think we tried uh what are the other ones we tried we tried slack we tried um i don't know there's another one that was kind of popular there's Basecamp. But... there's uh asana there's yeah um... we did Basecamp, but like Basecamp is like weird like i feel like they never really took it to the next level in terms of project uh communication like it, it just kind of like stagnated for me and and getting artists to like use it was a pain in the ass like nobody was signing on and like on Slack, it's a lot easier to get people and artists to sign on and talk because it's more of like a, a chat interface. Yeah, they really nailed that social aspect of, of it because, mm -hmm. yeah, none of these tools work at all if nobody shows up. So we've, we've incorporated Slack. Man, that's, that's worked out really well for us. Probably cut our email down by at least half. We didn't email a ton before that, but yeah. like, man, we, we almost never do an email. Um, that's a good one. Uh, Chris, do you have one? Uh, I can't think of a piece of software off the top of my head, but I would just say something that's incredibly useful in cinema or in any project you're doing is to as quickly as possible prototype something, you know, so I run into this a lot with making tools, but like, if you're just, if you're trying to make a MoGraph, a fancy MoGraph scene, don't make it all in MoGraph. Or don't don't make your final thing. Like, just throw a cube in there so you have no polys to worry about. See if you can get the motion working, like, isolated. Like, if I'm working on... Uh, I'm just trying to think of any anything. Like, you just see... Like, you know, I, I built a quadcopter. You know, like, like get one little motor working. It's like, okay, cool, that works. Let's try everything else. And even that, I mean, that's a project I had messed up because I went and I designed a whole giant quadcopter platform in, in 3D and then 3D printed it. And then the entire platform ended up being too weak. Like, so I had to just start it again completely from scratch instead of like prototyping one arm and doing stress tests. It's like, okay, cool. I got my design. I built it. Nope, it was wrong. So in anything, doing the isolated, you know, like if it's a, you know, if it's an hour long project, make the two minute prototype. Like if it's a, it's a multi-day project, do the hour long prototype and be like, oh, like take, you know, you're working with paper or whatever, like do the scrap test, make sure that glue is gluing the way you think it will, or if it's going to shrink or you know, you're 3D printing a project and you're like, okay, cool. It's all scaled out. And you're like, oh, the screw holes are too small or too big. Like, no, do a little, 
do a little print. Actually, that's why I do it in 3D printing is like, okay, I've got the screw. I print out the tiniest little piece of like one hole. Actually, I usually I was doing cinema. So I take like a circle spline and I iterate it with a cloner, like scaling up from like one unit to two units. And it's like, okay, I'll find out which hole perfectly fits the screw, print it. Now I've got my, the, the size and I can iterate that through everything else. Or I could design the entire thing, print the entire thing and find out it was wrong and then have wasted, you know, how much material and how many hours so quick prototyping whenever possible. It'll save you so much time. You're adding time to save a ton of time. Yeah, that's uh, that reminds like when we did the uh, flapping wing tutorial, Chris, you're like, yeah, yes. yeah, just do this, but with a better looking feather or wing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but let's actually get, you know, the the wing. The most important part of this is attaching the geometry to the to the joints and getting the flapping motion and blah blah blah. Did, didn't we have a question of like this these beautiful like bird wings or dragon wings or something? Yeah. And, and I was like, like, we're just gonna make it flapping and we put a cube on it. Right. Like, it was if, like we cool, a, if we get a cube perfect. flapping, you get you can you can extrapolate the rest, right? Now now is now comes the hard part of like making realistic looking, you know, um wings and then just apply the same concept. So that's a that's a good one. That's a real that's a that's yeah, a good that's, one. That's like a life lesson. It really is, man. You can get real like you can get real Buddha with that one. I dig it. Sharpen the saw, <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that was, I just came to me. I was like, <laughs> should we start? Uh, should we start talking uh, Buddhism at this point? I don't know. It might be too early might in the morning. <laughs> Not enough coffee. Yeah, Let me get some water. Mm. Well, um, we're uh, coming up toward the end here. I wanted to. Um, uh, maybe talk about one more uh, little bit here, maybe tease some stuff in the future. Um, this might be a good time to ask you guys, you know, this uh, podcast is is as much of an experiment as it is, you know, an excuse to get together and talk and learn from each other and uh, obviously record it and uh, try to help you guys as well. So, if, you know, if you have any recommendations for topics, uh, hit us up, hit us up in the comments, um, on YouTube is a great place. There's actually been some really good discussions and comments going on on YouTube, uh, recently like those, yeah. hit us up on iTunes. Um, uh, I guess that it's really hard to get a show description on, or, you know, like get a recommendation, but, uh, Twitter's always a good place. Um, mm-hmm. just let us know what you, what, what you think. And, uh, th- these have been really fun for us and we want to hear what you guys want to talk about. So, Stuff we have planned for the future is more uh, more stuff for the professional. Um, we really got a lot of good feedback last week about talking about getting paid, the freelancer world, breaking out on your own. Um, I think there's a lot of little bits there that we could dive into. Things like getting your first job, you know, n- negotiating salary, um, how to make sure you're you're working for the right place. Do you go? Do, you know, here's here's a big one. Do you go work for a place where? Uh, you're the only artist there or do, when you first start, or do you go work for a place where there's a bunch of different 3d artists or different types of artists there? Um, that's a question I get a lot. And how do you, how do you kind of get that stuff figured out? Um, so that's some stuff we have planned in the future. We do have the, uh, um, some of the, uh, recordings from half res that will be coming out in the next couple months as well. So look, look forward to that. Those will be awesome. Um, and we really haven't talked about it since Afrez, but things like Nick and Eric's talk about um, mm. about them starting their company actually fits in a lot with last week's episode. Um, their 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 whole process going from um, 
you know, two freelancers, two yeah. freelancers to starting their own right. studio. Uh, and that was a really good talk. So we're going to include those, um, maybe even in the podcast feed. That might be a thing that we do. It's like maybe strip the audio out and pull it into the podcast so people can walk around and listen to, uh, listen to it. I think that, I think that might be good. Maybe this is, maybe this is after a podcast yeah, yeah, <laughs> conversation, yeah. but, uh, we got some stuff planned for sure. Well, anything else guys, um, we're, uh, coming up on an hour here, a little bit short than an hour, but I wanted to give you guys some time as well. If, um, if there's anything excited that you guys can think of over the next week, I know we have a lot planned here. Um, David's, I will mention this, I'll, and if you guys have anything, please add it in. David um, and motionographer uh, uh, put up a, what do they call those breakdowns? They have a really cool name for them. Step-by-step. Step-by-step. the name of the, the new kind of, I guess it's going to be a whole thing over there on motionographer where they pick a different artist. And you, they basically just ask the artist to screen capture creating something. And there's no audio, there's no, there's no written description. You're just basically kind of seeing into the mind of that artist and their process by watching them do, which is cool. Yep. It was, uh, it was really fun to watch. You can go and look and see exactly how David makes uh, some of his really popular, actually one of his most popular Instagram renders that he's ever made. He broke down um, over on Motionographer. You can find it on our blog. If you go over there, we link up to it. You could also check the show notes here. We'll make sure to link up to it. But it's a really cool idea, and I think they already have a couple of them up over there at Motionographer. And it seems like in general, Motionographer is kind of picking up a lot of lot of new ideas and really running with a lot of stuff, especially through their Patreon. Um, check out their Patreon. They're really Motionographer has just been around for so long and been such a big part of um, the community and just been you know, so helpful. And so like getting the news out there and doing behind the scenes with artists. So if you haven't checked out motionographer in a while, make sure you go check that out and watch, <laughs> be sure to watch David's thing too. Cause he's, he's been blowing, blowing it up, man. Yeah, dude, that, that, that whole series is great. And motionographer, man, remember back, like that was like the place one of the very few places you could go to learn about anything motion design related. And if your job project or whatever got men- mentioned up on there, that was like, what? that was like, wow, you're up on motionographer. What? You made it. Yeah. Like you knew you made it. If like something you worked on got posted up there and it was just, it was just a cool thing, you know, and, and not very many industries have that. And the fact that they're still around and doing really cool new ideas is great. And Joe Donaldson's kind of, handling that stuff and he's awesome and yeah stoked yep. justin's always been a good guy too um mm-hmm. just check that out uh remember when they were called tween oh my gosh way that's back. going way back <laughs> that's way back check the way back machine on that one folks oh my god tween that's and so uh um mo- motion I- wait dot net. that's what i'm thinking of got yeah. the pink got the pink website Gotta love that. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I remember that. Holy cow. Mm. Those were the days. Those, uh, the forums were so brutal on that thing. They were <laughs> tough. I learned People a lot. I was. Uh, that's where I learned a lot of thick skin kind of stuff. Where I would post things and they go, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm still here. I'm with you. Tell me why." They're like, "Well, you sure?" I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> please." Um. Great place. Great place. Well, now now it's turning into the old man podcast, which I love, which uh, 
Maybe we'll just start recording that one. That should be an episode, yeah. Yeah, Maybe totally. Remember? Reminiscing. Remember? Yeah. Remember when? Back in my day, these forums had blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this one up, folks. Um, thanks again, guys, for stopping by. Thank you for listening out there. Let us uh, know, again, if you have any uh, topic ideas. We want... Um, we want to help you guys out. That's what this is all about. Um, thanks again for stopping by. Check the show notes, and we'll see you in another Grayscale Grill episode really soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, nice. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Bye, guys.